you. Morena, everybody. Is this on? Is this going? It's cool. Hey, just while I remember, uh, just after what Pastor Adam said, and, and I, I, I don't know, um, I think the measure of the health of a church, if it can be measured, is, is not when things are all going fantastic or growth, all that sort of stuff, but, but the best measure is, is how people love one another in times of pain. And so I think you guys have done such an amazing, amazing job at that well done and just um, just grace and peace to the Wicks family as you uh, just work through some of that. So let's keep on supporting and keep on loving because that is what it is about. Amen. Yeah, it's really good to be here uh, with you guys. My, my role, I work for an organization that uh, works with sports teams and chaplaincy and I, I'm in and out a little bit on Sundays in particular. So it's, um, it's really good to be back uh, in the words of is it Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz? I think there's no place like home, right? It's good to be home uh, with, with you all uh, this morning. You like what I did there? Uh, hey, so I, I want to I wanna, uh, encourage you this morning, maybe actually challenge you uh, just a little bit as we, we kind of, I guess, officially launch into the year. I don't know about you, but until my children go back to school, it doesn't kind of feel like the year has properly started. I mean, I love my kids. The kids aren't here, right? I love my kids, but it was definitely time for them to uh, leave the house during the day, and so I can get my life back. But I, I just want to—I want to encourage you. I want to remind you uh, around the the willingness of God to include you and I in His incredible purposes and plans in 2023, and this ability that God has to use us, sometimes even despite ourselves, certainly even with uh, all of all of our weakness. So if you've got a Bible, and it will come up on the screen, Exodus chapter 3. And as I preach, I just want to actually preach through the first uh, 10 verses of Exodus 3. I want to camp around the story of Moses. How many remember Moses? You've read the book, you've seen the movie. He's a, he's a great guy, probably one of my most favorite Bible characters to speak about, apart from Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. But... Uh, um, Moses led such a fascinating life, and so uh, I just want to give you some context before we get into this from, uh, from the, the first few chapters of Exodus. So Moses is born, as we all know, into persecution as a Hebrew living in uh, Egypt, and to spare his life, his mother uh, floats him in a basket down the river Nile when he's found by, by royalty, by the Pharaoh's daughter, and he's raised as an Egyptian priest, a priest, a prince. You've, you remember the story, right? And, and one day when, uh, when Moses is older, he gets in himself into a little bit of trouble with the authorities, and uh, he becomes a wanted man. And so Moses, he runs for his, his life. He flees into the desert, and he goes on what we might describe as extended stress leave. Uh, a long time, like 40 years uh, hiding. But meanwhile, back, back in Egypt, back at his birthplace, the treatment of his people, the Hebrew people, it worsens. And so a new pharaoh comes along. Uh, he treats them even, even harsher. And the children of Israel, it says, they groan and they cry out to God for help. And in the midst of all of the suffering that's going on, we don't actually know what Moses was thinking. We, uh, whether he was even aware of all of that suffering happening back in his hometown. We're not, we're not even sure if this was a concern for Moses, but here's what we do know. We do know that it was a concern for God. 
We know that it was a concern for him, and, and it's a good lesson for us to realize that if things are a concern for God, then they should also be a concern for us, right? Whatever is on God's heart ought also to be on our heart. It should be stirring in, in our hearts uh, as well. So let's jump into this Exodus chapter 3. Uh, we'll start from verse 1. I'm reading from the NI, uh, New King James Bible. I'm sorry, the best version that there is anyway. Uh, it says this, Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. That's kind of amazing. And so Moses, he looked, and behold, it says that the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now that is quite a remarkable story that we've, some of you will have read hundreds of times and kind of brushed over, but that is incredible that this bush would just light a fire. I don't know why God uh, uses a bush, why he didn't just set one of Moses' sheep on fire to get his attention, but uh, this is what he, he did. And, and it says that the bush burned but it didn't burn up. And so it was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And so Moses is minding his own business. He's, he's working, he's tending the flock and, and a bush spontaneously erupts. It was like a butane bush. Amazing. Uh, very uh, peculiar. And I'm not sure what kind of reaction that that might get out of you, but, but I love the reaction of Moses in verse three of Exodus 3, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Uh, that's a little unusual. I mean, if, uh, maybe a modern translation would say something like, what the hey, a burning bush. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, it's, if, if, that, if that isn't crazy enough, that story, the first three uh, verses of Exodus 3, listen, it says in verse 4, when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to look, listen to this, from inside the bush, God called out to him saying, Moses, Moses, the bush speaks. The bush speaks. It's, it's amazing if a self-combusting bush isn't Surprise enough, if a burning bush that doesn't burn up doesn't get your attention, then how about a talking burning bush? Moses, Moses, the bush says. It's a pretty wild account. And like I said, I'm not exactly sure why God uses a, 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 a bush. Someone who is a bit more theologically trained might be able to let me know afterwards. I don't know why he didn't just send a messenger from Egypt or appear to Moses in, in, uh, in, in a dream. But listen, here's what we do know. This this is a story about a man whose attention was desperately needed from God. And he got the attention of Moses. God needed his attention, and so this is how he did it. And listen, God will use strange and peculiar ways, right, to get our attention. I'm sure many of us have strange stories about how God spoke to, to us uh, to some, somehow. And, and what's most importantly, important is that we actually respond. We actually hear, so let's keep reading verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And, and he said, here, here I am. Verse 5, and then God said, do not draw near this place. 
Take your sandals off your feet, for the place that you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In other words, God's saying to Moses, listen, I'm not just a bush. It's God who who's, you're, speaking, you're speaking to. And so Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Verse 8, so God says, So I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. Everyone said, everyone say, I have come down. I have come down, God says here. Now listen, it doesn't matter what version you may be reading this from today, verse 8, whether it's the NIV or the NKG or the KFC, just what, whatever version it might be, it's, it, everyone says here, yeah, it says, I have come down to rescue them, or I have come down to deliver them. God is saying to Moses, I am coming down. I want you to re- remember that I'm coming down. Because God had seen the oppression. He, he had heard the, the cries of the people who were suffering, he, and he was now responding. God was coming down. If we keep reading, let's just uh, look at verse 8 again. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And so God is revealing what he's about to do to Moses. And, and again, we have to read between the lines a little bit. But I, I believe that Moses would have been happy with this news that God was coming down, right? I mean, he, he would have been over the moon with news of God's final arrival because he had seen the mistreatment of of his own people so many years before with his own eyes. If you know the story in chapter 2, I think it is, uh, Moses actually murders one of the Egyptian guards because he was uh, being unfair to one of the Hebrew men. He kind of buries him in the sand and hopes that no one finds out. And, but anyway, now he hears. Now he hears from himself in such a remarkable way that, that God himself was about to come down. Like enough was enough. The big guy himself is finally going to get involved. He's going to intervene. That's amazing news. And Moses is probably thinking, wow, this is incredible. This is the best news I've heard in my 80-year life. Come on down, God. Let's get those pesky Egyptians. Look out, because here comes, here comes God. Verse 8, so I have come down, God says, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And just, just for time's sake, I want to skip verse 9 and run straight into verse 10, but I want you to pay attention to this, this next bit. Let me just read verse 8 first and for the flow. It says, I've surely seen the oppression, God says, of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse 8, so I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. Let's jump over to verse 10. Come now, therefore, God says, and I will send you to Pharaoh. Today, right now, you're not just a spectator. You're not just kind of floating around waiting for God to do something. Maybe he's, he's waiting, waiting for you 
a Dutch sheets and author in, in a book he wrote called Intercessory Prayer, great book. He says this quote, though God is sovereign and all-powerful, and that he is. Scripture clearly tells us that he limits himself concerning the affairs of the earth to working through human beings. Any human beings here today? I see a few hands. But God always rises somewhere for something through someone. And maybe there are some ones here today that God's wanting to put his hand on and, and use powerfully. Like Moses, we'd, we'd love God just to come down and do all the work himself, right? We'd just like him to take care of all, all of the mess, to come down and, and kind of wave a, a magic wand or something and just go poof, and everything's just all sorted out and taken care of. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be just, just the way I'd like it? But, but God is saying loud and clear from the pages of Exodus right through the Gospels and beyond that, that you and I are his answer. In fact, we, we are it. He's, he's not looking to, to anyone else. He's looking to his church to be that answer in, in our cities and in our communities. Uh, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm it. You, you're it. Whoa. Uh-oh. But hey, listen, just remember, remember his coming down. What does it look like? It looks like you going out. His coming down as you go. His, his coming is your going. His intervention, His deliverance, maybe it looks like you. It looks like you. I just want to drive this home today. Because we can have empathy for Moses as we read the story and, and see the shock of, of what God's saying to him. Because he'd never had this modeled before. Moses didn't know how God, God intervened. He'd never seen God use anyone. He had nothing to go on. No previous knowledge. He didn't have the Bible like, like we have today. But, but in this Old Testament story is a clue for us about the, the modus operandi of the Holy Spirit. And what it looks like when it comes to operating on the earth. And how he, he does that. And, and so right around this room, you got to believe and know that, that you are chosen people. Ones whom God has chosen. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, received his perfect record for yours, and now stand in his righteousness, you are chosen ones. The, that Jesus said in John 15, 16, I have chosen and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. You can't ignore that. We, we have to uh, accept that, that we have been chosen and appointed to, to bear fruit. And he's calling each one of us today to be his answer in this town, in, in this region, in, in, in this city, in your, in your neighborhood, in your whanau, in your homes, in, in your workplaces, whatever it is you do outside of this time. He's calling you to be his answer, his representatives, wherever you are. Each and every one of us are on mission, and we are all missionaries, right? He's all given us the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to get stuff, to get stuff down, done. And, and again, you may be thinking, well, I don't know if, if he's really calling me, if I'm really appointed and, and chosen. And, and maybe you're thinking about stuff like, I, I don't have, have what it takes, maybe. And you're maybe not the type of person you believe God could use, <laughs> Well, that was actually what Moses thought as well as we keep reading this. Verse 11, responding to what God has said to him, Moses' words are, Who am I? 
who, who, why you are nuts, God. Who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I should bring the, the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, listen, God, wait a second. Like, like just pause things because you know who I am. I, I'm just a washed up, stuttering, nervous, nothing to offer Hebrew. In fact, I had my chance way, way back 40 years ago and I blew it. Do you remember that? Do you remember me running away? Why now? Why, why me? Who am I? It may be like Moses, you're listening to this too, and you're thinking, who am I? Why would God choose me? I don't, I don't have what it takes. But listen, again, you've got to know that when it comes to all of our excuses, and you'll only hear this in the context of this message, that God doesn't care. I mean, he deeply cares, but you know what I mean? He doesn't care about our, our excuses. When he looks at us with all of our self-doubt and our insecurities and our failures and our weakness, and yet he still says, I can use you. I can use you. I can, my, hey, listen, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So that's not an excuse you can use, right? Amazing. In him, we have everything we need to be the answer that he needs us to be wherever it is that God is placing you today. Not in your own strength, but in His. As we've talked about in worship, it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do stuff that we can't do in our, in our own strength. So what is it that He needs you to be the answer to? Who is it that you may be the answer for today? Where is it that He may be wanting to, to send you? Maybe I could have the, the band come up. Do you believe it? You're his answer. God continues this dialogue with, with Moses, and, and we continue reading this. And He says in the response to the objection of Moses, which is often an objection in our own hearts about what God could possibly do with our lives. Who, who, who am I? And, and he gives us this powerful passage in verse 12. And it's, I believe, a promise that's for each and every one of us today. Whatever it is you may be going through and whatever it is he's placed in your hand and wherever it is he's put you and sent you to. Verse 12, God says in response to Moses, I will certainly be with you. You want to know how this is going to go? I'll tell you this. Promise, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. In fact, this shall be a sign to you, Moses, that I've sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And so, as Moses, he 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 begins to to come to this realization. Certainly, still struggles that he might just be God's answer. As Moses battles to grasp that he could possibly be the one for such an enormous task. He then hears these wonderful affirming words of the Father who listens, speaks to each and every one of us today. I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be with you. Chosen ones, I will certainly be with you. I'll surely be with you. I'm with you. That, that word certainly it means without a doubt, without a question, without fail, you will not be alone this year in Him. He's with us. 
He's with us. And I want to pray in just the minutes we have left that we would, that would really sink in and we would really, would really believe that as we continue on, and I'll finish here with it, but if you read for homework tonight in bed, the rest of uh, this Exodus journey, you see how Moses went, and he did, in fact, step up. He had some obstacles to overcome, a few more objections to make, but Moses became God's answer, and he went on to lead what I believe is the largest prison break in the history of mankind. Quite extraordinary. And by Moses' hand, we then read about some of the most extraordinary, amazing miracles that the Bible records. Because he was willing to say, oh, here I am. Sure, he had his doubts. He had his worries and his concerns. But God was, was with him. So how about you? How about you as I leave you with this, with this challenge? Because God's saying this morning, do you know this? You are my chosen ones. Do you, do you realize it? I've chosen you. Are, you. are you ready? Come on, let's pray. Pray together. Let's bow our heads for just a moment before I hand this back to Pastor Adam. Wow, God, I thank you for the privilege of being a partner with you. I'm sure that you could do all of this on your own. In your incredible strength, you are indeed sovereign and powerful and amazing and incredible. It's, it's why we've gathered here today to, to declare your greatness over, over this region. But we thank you, despite all of that, that you have chosen to work with us, to partner with us, to breathe your spirit upon us, that we may be the difference that this world desperately needs. I pray for every single person here in Christ that this year would really come to terms with that and, and, and say and respond in our hearts, here I am, God. Here I am. I thank you for the mission field. I thank you for the assignments that you've given each one of us to accomplish. And in your strength, God, I pray for your grace. We pray for your empowering spirit to be on us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, he chooses me, he chooses me. Amen. Can we put our hands together? Thanks, Wes. Great work. And can I just say this? It's, I think the importance of just understanding that may just be something as simple as inviting someone to church or that God would use you and that, that invite changes a person's life, that invite or being obedient to, to something God whispers um, to you and then just obeying that. It can have life change. You, you might be going, oh man, that's just so weird. I mean, go and speak to that person. You, you, I mean, that, that's just weird. Why would you speak that God? And then, then but God uses you to encourage somebody who might be going through going through hell. Clifford, would you come and share that story? Here's a picture of obedience. You know, Cliff and Joanna have been through a, a, a tough time. But something happened on the beach 
yesterday as he went on a walk and he just shared it as he came in. I said, I'm going to ask you to share that at the end because you can see the power of somebody's obedience to somebody's life and how a different, just a word from God, when heard, can change their, uh, someone's life. Tell us what happened on the beach. Before I, sh before I share that, can we just ex express how thankful we are for all of you, for, for everything that you've done for us. A lot of people have said that, um, you know, they have no words, but we know you, you don't need the words, of the, the prayers and the flowers and the food and the donations. We're just so, so grateful. So thank you, thank you, all of you. And I know you do want to say something too. You don't? That, that's it? So, you know, we're just so incredibly thankful for all of you, for our church family. Yesterday, <clears throat> I had a big ball in my daughter's room. I sat there crying and then I thought, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. And I usually go for a walk down to the estuary and I sit. There's a, there's a nice log and it can sort of sit and look out and it's really lovely. But I found myself not going down to the estuary, walking a different way. And I ended up walking on Manly Street, sort of on the other side where there's all that marsh and, and flax. And, and I was thinking, oh, what am I doing? Going, this, oh, well, I'll just go with it and keep walking. And then um, I really wanted to just sit down and, and think. And, and I saw this bench seat in the distance, up, sort of up on a bit of a rise, covered, was a, it was a little bit covered, you couldn't see it very clearly, but I thought, well, that's, I've never seen that before, I'll go and sit there. So I went and sat on it, and it just looked out over all the flax and the marsh and the sea was in the distance, and I, then I started to pray, and I was praying about all, praying, I was giving thanks for everything that God had provided for us, I was giving thanks for Veronica and I was praying for help um, for everything and um, praying for my family and praying for the future and then I heard this hello and I kind of looked up and there's this man standing there he would have been sort of hard to determine his age but he wasn't he was sort of between maybe 28 and 35 and um, I I said hello, and he, he said, oh, do you come from around here? And I said, yes, we, we live in Paraparumu. He said, oh, I've just arrived. We've only been here three weeks. And I was like, oh, yeah, thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, then <clears throat> he said, oh, well, you look like you're deep in contemplative thought. And I said, well, well act actually, I was praying. And he said, oh, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. And he said, well, listen, I'm going to level with you. I'm a Christian too, and I was walking past, and I heard God say to me, go and talk. Go and talk to that man on the bench. He need, you, you need to talk to him. And um, then I just cried and told him everything that had happened. And, and um, you know, he was, of course, comforting and, 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 and kind of shocked. And, but he... He then sat down beside me. It turns out he's um, had years of counselling experience and also uh, quite a lot of understanding about suicide. He had been to dark places himself when he was younger 
he'd had about seven or eight or nine years of, of counselling, and he said to me, I really, he ministered to me, and the things that he, that he said to me, they just took something away that I needed taking away. And so that, that big question that I, that, that, you know, why did you do this? How could you do this? What, how could you do this? To, uh, it just went. It's gone. It just, I was, I mean, I felt freed to just love her and mourn her and, and you know, hurt her not being here. But there's no anger. There's no, it, what he said, and it was practical stuff that he knew, that he knew from his training, but it cleared something away that I could also help my family with. And he also... Um, he also talked to me about my future. We, we ended up walking back along the road together and there were other things he said and things that he's affirmed, words that we've had before. So he listened like, you know, what Wes was talking about. He, he was obedient and came and talked to this man on the bench and I'm so glad he did. So God's amazing. Just the fact that it reminds you that God's got you. He, is a, he, he knows you. That you can go and sit on a bench and I'm going to send someone to you. No matter how dark life can get, just understand this. God will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what a bench you're sitting on, no matter what log you're sitting on, whatever trouble you're going through, understand there's a God in heaven who cares for you. And will send a man on the bench. A man to speak to you. Because he's our God. But again, that man was God's answer. He was obedient. A kind word, hearing God's voice and then obeying it. You never know. And like I say, it just might be. Do you know some people don't know if they're allowed to come to church? They don't. I just received a, something this week, a, a text where someone said, I don't know, I'd, li- I'd like to come to church, but I don't know if I'm allowed. They don't know if they're allowed. You could be, you could solve that problem, but just say, hey, do you want to come to church? I want to invite you. And that could change somebody's life, somebody's eternity forever. Amen. Amen. So heed that word today. It's a good word. You are the answer. Yeah, you might feel inadequate. You might not feel like you've got it all together. Who does? Anyone who says they have, they're just lying anyway, and that's a problem. <laughs> We're just people who, who if God has done a work in, and let's share that good news with other people. All right, would you stand and let me pronounce a blessing over you. Would you put your hands out ready to receive? And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with every good thing to do his will 
And may he accomplish in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.